1: Hello and welcome to All Stats Army, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, and there's far too many people in this podcast episode for me to introduce them all with individual monikers. So without further ado, I'm just going to say who's on the on the podcast. So first up, Tom Alderson, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, thanks. I had a lovely night last night talking to uh, you, Tom, and Sean Locke, so that that was nice. (laughs) And then I've I've just come from um, Ellenborough where I've got my vaccine, so yeah, been pretty good.
1: Been a good couple of days then.
2: Yeah, not been too
3: bad.
1: Someone who wasn't there, letting the team down, Joe Hill, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad.
3: I'm down here in London, roasting in the 29 degree heat, so that's why I couldn't make it. The drinks, which seemed like you guys had a lot of fun, but I'm sure there'll be plenty
0: to come this summer.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. And then last but not least, the headless mass of Tom Woodhead in the bottom corner of my screen. How are you doing, Tom?
0: Not too bad. Proved last night that I do have a head, but <laughs> quite disappointed with how tall everyone was. It's one of those when you only see people's uh, upper torsos, you, you kind of assume that they're all as small as you are, but it turned out to not be the case.
1: Mm. Yeah, people are always surprised that I turn out to be six foot six when they, when they meet me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump into this episode without further ado, enough of these niceties, Uh, we had plenty of that last night, so this is uh, the second half of our season review 2021, but before we jump into that we will have a look over the Premier League fixture list, which is what came out this morning quite exciting to actually have next season laid out for us uh, in all its glory so um who wants to kick off on this who has any thoughts on on the way that the i mean there's only so much you can do with the premier league fixtures isn't there you're going to play every team home and away um obviously the ordering is 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 interesting but um who has any takes on on the premier league fixture list 21 t- 22
0: my initial thoughts uh when i first saw it were that there are there are sort of three key months um October is a pretty easy month, all things considered. December looks like the month from hell, where we uh, we face Chelsea and Man City away one after the other, which I can't imagine a tougher duo of fixtures than that. And then we've also got Arsenal-Liverpool in that month. And then um, there was another... Uh, February looks like quite a difficult one as well, where we've got Villa-Everton, Manchester United and Spurs. Um, but other than that, I think it's a fairly balanced. The rest of the months seem fairly balanced, where we've got difficult games and easy games. It There aren't too many uh, runs of really easy fixtures or really terribly, terribly hard fixtures. So, yeah, I'm quite happy with it. And obviously, it's great to have Man United. Uh, away on the first game that'll get the blood pumping.
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I guess that's a game that we will want to go differently to the one that happened last season. Um, how do we feel about the possibility of of getting hammered by Manchester United on the first game of the season? How does how do you think that will kick things off for the for the new season?
2: I mean I don't really care as long as there's, <laughs> I just want fans to be in there because I think that'll be a, a great start to the season mm. because like it, it was just you just hope that this time we can actually just get fans in but I, I think I don't know it's probably something we're going to talk about today as well like you you think we're better dealing with those those bigger games now but I don't know away at Old Trafford on the first day we might just go for Rodrigo and click and just get absolutely thumped again and that would that wouldn't be surprising but we could also come away with a result so I don't, I don't really know how to, uh, what to expect from these big games anymore.
1: Yeah it's almost, a, it's almost quite an unknown quantity isn't it because you don't know whether or not getting Manchester United out of the way early on could suit us because we could sort of get them when they're still re- recovering from a long summer. They've obviously got a lot of players playing international football. Uh, they'll obviously bring in a lot of players as well. So it could be the case that they're a little bit at sea in terms of uh, a proposition to play them uh, at that point of time. Equally, I suppose the same thing could be true of us. Uh, it could be interesting to see how we come out. But I think we have we traditionally under Bielsa have come out quite strongly um, at the beginning of each season. So I, I suspect... Um, I, I, I think maybe if push comes to shove, I'm quite happy to play them first off. It'd be nice to maybe snatch a result in in one of the, uh, the early games of the season and uh, without anything really riding on it as well. Um, Joe Hill, how how are you feeling about the, the Premier League fixture list? You're a season ticket holder, so you, you obviously will be casting your eye over this and looking at the, the months and trying to work out the games that you'll be able to go to.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And living down here in London as well, that was... That was what, the, what I was thinking would be the case last season, but um, was that I might get to go to some games down here in London. Looking at the, there's so many London clubs, Spurs away. I've never been to that stadium. Stamford Bridge, I've never been to. There's loads that would be great for me, um, just personally. Brentford. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'd manage to get into Brentford. To, I mean, the stadium's so small and the ticket demand's going to be so high, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's just got me really excited. And I do agree with you about... Man United, I think my optimistic take was that maybe we would catch them slightly off guard. I mean, I know they, they know how we play by now. It's not like there's an element of surprise to how intense Bielsa's teams are, but even so, the first game of the season, maybe a lot of teams aren't quite fully fit or aren't quite up to the level where they need to be. And like you say, it feels like Bielsa's teams uh, or Bielsa's leads have started quite strong every season. Um, so that is really exciting I just hope that we can get full away fans in because it would be really disappointing if we can't um, to have that, such a big game um, first first in the season if we can't get full away fans so fingers crossed for that.
0: I think the hope would be that the likes of Portugal and France and maybe even England go quite far in the Euros and then you know that people like then Pogba and Fernandes, um, Shaw, Maguire might you know might miss that game because they're still getting their fitness up mm. how do we feel
1: about the um the start in general um because obviously i think there's a lot of people said oh it's quite a nice start but if you look at it manchester united away everton at home i guess everton will be a bit of an unknown entity next season burnley can always be you know they can always house a, a result um then you've got liverpool newcastle you'd expect to be quite poor but then west ham who we we lost to both times last season um how do we feel about that as a as an opening set of fixtures tom alderson
2: I think that's fine. I think there's a lot. Well, most of the games there, that I've, I'm confident that even if we even if we lose, that like, we can have a good go at. It. It's not that, that that run of fixtures doesn't scare me as much as it was this time last year. Just and cause I've, I've just been flicking through the fixtures whilst we've been talking, and I think it is important that we do get a good start because even like we, we've mentioned December, but November actually kind of scares me quite a bit as well with like Leicester at home, Spurs away, Brighton away, which we mm. we struggled with last year and then Palace is fine but if we've if we don't get a good start you would worry that November and December could come and we could actually be in a little bit of trouble don't want to sound too pessimistic but it's just I don't know that just those runs in November and December just worry me a little
0: mm. we also haven't seen what a bad start under Bielsa looks like and how that would affect the players psychologically because I've noticed at the very start of the season usually in the first game Bielsa's always very excited very pumped up and celebrating the goals more than he possibly would Mm. two or three three weeks later because I think he recognises that he asks the players to do so much more work than many other managers that if you're not getting results at the very start, then it it could potentially be difficult to uh, keep the players convinced that his methods are the way to go.
1: I guess then the other part of the season to look at is the end of the season, uh, which I, I think looks looks not too bad. We, we had a horrible April last season, uh, but this, this April doesn't look too bad. Uh, so Southampton at home, Watford away, uh, obviously Chelsea at home and Man City at home as well with with Palace between them. So um, if we're expecting Palace to be, I think, dead and buried this season, obviously it's, it's early days, but they it's it's well known how much of a job they've got on their hands to try and resuscitate their squad. Um And then Arsenal, Brighton, Brentford at the end. It looks like quite an easy run-in at the end. Um, How important do we think that could be, Joe Hill?
3: Yeah, I mean, this season it didn't end up being that important, did it? Because we were safe by then. So if we were safe by then again, and then absolutely I would take it. Um, But it is nice to look at those and think that we can get a few wins there. Um, The other thing I wanted to throw into the mix was that I had forgotten just how huge home advantage is not watching games with crowds for a couple of years now or a year and a half and then suddenly when you see one like watching that Hungary-Portugal game um, and the Hungarian fans were just going bonkers and it just lifted the whole atmosphere and Hungary were really in with a shot in that game and they were quite unlucky actually to lose 3-0 so that just got me thinking about Ellen Road and how much of a fortress it can be so coming back to the start of the season with Everton at home that is a bit of a. they will be a bit unknown, like you say, but I just think it's going to be completely rocking, Ellen Road, if it's full by then, and you, you'd expect that we can win it with that kind of atmosphere behind us. In terms of the end, I'm a bit, a little
0: bit,
2: again, I'm coming across really pessimistic here, but I think like we've ne- we've never done well in London, have we? We've got two away games in London, and then Brighton, who we we'll get, what we don't like, so. I mean, it could go either way, but it's just not an end that I like the look of, personally.
1: Last four away fixtures are all London away fixtures, so make of that what you will. Uh, (laughs) Not that I read anything into the the away form, but here we are. Anyway, we should move on and and talk about not this coming season, but last season, which is what we did last time round. So just in terms of a summary what we did last time round, we we had a look at a lot of the context going into the season, Um, looked at the signings, looked at the pre-season, looked at... um, various things from from the summer um and then we broke it down month by month and we we roughly used we had a long conversation about where we'd break the season in half um but then we end we ended up just taking the first 19 games so the first half of the season pretty much because it it broke down quite nicely that way um but before we jump into looking at the final months of the of the season just thought it'd be interesting to hear thoughts of you guys in terms of um how we broke the season down so we had a long conversation about whether or not it was um, the the changes came because we brought Stuart Dallas into midfield whether or not it was because Mateus Click got injured and various aspects and various contextual um, the, the ideas behind why it was that that Leeds pretty much had a, a season of two halves to, to use a cliche but um, yeah I'll start with you Tom Woodhead what do you what do you make of, of the the split that we made because the first half of the season does feel quite different to the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I thought it, it seemed like a logical um, point to uh, to split it, and I agreed with a lot of what was said on the on the podcast uh, for the first half. I think it was a combination of those two things, really. Uh, I mean, I think one precipitated the other to a certain extent. I think Dallas moving into midfield happened partly because of uh, the problems that Click was having uh, and the problems with his form and with his fitness. So. Um it was not an idealistic move from Bielsa, I don't think. Probably one one of the more pragmatic things that he's done in his time as Leeds manager, but it did I think it'd be difficult to argue that it didn't help us gain more points than we would have got if we just carried on the way we were going.
1: And Tom Alderson, like how would you describe the second half of the season then? Like what what would you say are the the key points of, of the way that we were playing in that second half of the season?
2: I just think we we seem to be a bit a lot more we we seemed more solid, even though um, we've discussed a few t- times that maybe that wasn't the case. I think we we were conceding like less big chances. We've talked we've talked about a lot, a lot of this in the season review, um, and it's like a lot of sort of the whilst we were sort of our um, expected goals against looked pretty much the same. I think we were conceding like smaller chances, so it, it did feel more solid, and that's what it, you took from watching it as well. And I think, unfortunately, that meant we weren't as exciting um, in attack. And we just, course, I think yeah, the fir- first half, I think every single match, you were like, oh, this this was always really exciting and a really good watch. And I didn't, we didn't get that same impression in the second half of the season.
3: Yeah, I would com- completely agree. I think it's just about the balance between playing completely exciting football week in, week out, and then just getting some results. And everyone has a different opinion about what they would prefer to watch. Some people say that you know, the resu- the results barely matter to them because they just want to see good, exciting performances week in, week out. Um and I think maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. I did really enjoy watching Leeds at the start of the season. Um but then in the second half of the season I was I was really pleased to see us pick up a couple of wins, um, Leicester away, City away obviously, um and then not getting roasted by the huge teams either um Chelsea we drew with them nil nil Man United drew with them nil nil Liverpool drew one all so I think overall I was quite happy to take the hit of watching less exciting games if it meant that we were picking up a few of those results just because for me personally I kind of wanted to see a few of those results come through um last season so I was quite happy in the end that we made that switch
1: And obviously we've spent most of this episode talking about next season. So uh, what's the general consensus on how we will be next season? Do you think that we will come out and we will be playing a more idealistic form of Bielsa ball, as as Tom Woodhead called it? Um, I'll go with you first on this, Tom. What do you make of next season? Do you think we'll see a big change around? And how do you think that will sort of mean that the season goes in terms of of, of an arc?
0: I think we have to see what happens with the transfers before I can make a particularly educated guess on that. Um, if we buy, uh, I think the sort of midfielder that, that we've talked about a few times on here that we maybe need a more, well, either a more uh, creative midfielder, but without some of the pressing issues that uh, Rodrigo maybe has, or uh, a player who can control play a little bit more. I've, uh, we've been linked with Harrison Reed, haven't we? And that's um, a, a more sort of foreshore-esque kind of midfielder who uh, will help us gain control in the middle of the park a bit more. Um, Depending on the transfers and obviously what kind of left back we get in, it seems pretty certain that we're gonna buy a left back. Um so I, I, I it would be hard to see what kind of tack we're getting, but I think I think we'll get a decent idea based on which players we sign. It's difficult
2: because like we we've always said that we like we got to the position we did originally through playing that sort of more ideal way, playing very attacking, and then to sort of play defensive, it means like are you then gonna be worse overall? And I think for me, it's just it be striking a balance. Like I'd, I'd rather see us play that attacking football and maybe get fumped sometimes. But at the end of the day, I think it's just as long as we're getting, as long as we don't get, sort of get less points overall by sort of going trying to well, getting thumped less times. Um, I don't really mind. I just think it's we there is an element now that especially this year, like we don't want to sort of get involved in a relegation battle. Though it'd be more important just to sort of consolidate our position and then maybe and people probably aren't going to want to hear is like oh just wait until the season after to play that idealistic version of uh, Bielsa football Mm -hmm. but I think it's more important to stay up at this point rather than people talk about us doing as Sheffield United and I don't think we're going to do that but I don't don't want to get involved in a relegation battle either
1: The interesting thing is that in terms of the underlying numbers something that you mentioned Tom and, and we mentioned in the season review as well is that we were balancing XG against XG against um, in the first half of the season until uh, obviously that, that change where we moved Dallas to midfield. And then there was that slow um, sort of separation between the XG against, which slowly grew at a quicker rate to the XG itself. And obviously, as we mentioned regardless of whether or not it's a sustainable um, ma- ma- means of playing football, uh, we did overperform our expected goals against to the tune of about 10 goals in the last 10 games. So that's you're talking about not conceding a goal every game, which we maybe could have done. Uh, and I suppose the question is, if that if that doesn't prove to be a, sus- a sustainable way of playing football, um, then it, it does appear that that more defensive approach to the, to the game might not necessarily be good in the long run. But I, I'm sure that Bielsa... Wouldn't want to play football like that. I guess that's why we're talking about the ideal versus the pragma- pragmatic, uh, pragmatic side of things. So I, I suspect, as Tom Woodhead says, it's very much down to who we bring in, what we could do with the team. Because I think one, what we we've noticed every season really under Bielsa is, I know we don't talk, we talk about him not being pragmatic, but he also is the master of bringing in players. As and when he he has them, and, and making them fit to whatever he 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 can do, and making the game fit to the players that he has as well. So, um, I think that's why it's it is important to remember that um, a lot of this is depending on the on the transfer window that we have. Anyway, let's jump into the the more um, uh, detailed breakdown. So we ended the last episode with the the 19th game of the season which was against newcastle who we'd played a couple of weeks before because of the southampton game getting pushed back a long way because of covid um, cancell- cancellations um so there's one game in january that we didn't actually mention in, in the in the last episode um so with january with the last game of january and then the whole of february the big chunk of, of games there and quite an interesting period i think Calvin phillips was injured for this period or uh, in and out of the team over this period, um, so we had the Leicester game where we, uh, I think we did, we go one nil down in that game and then ended up coming back and and, and winning. And then uh, we we had we went through a sort of flip flop backwards and forwards. So we lost to Everton despite looking better than the, than them. We had that game against Crystal Palace where we, I think, was personally our best game of the season in terms of the control and it was almost like watching Leeds last season or the season before last. Then we had that uh, fairly galling loss to Arsenal who pressed us into oblivion. Uh, We had another typical result against Wolves where, again, we largely controlled the game or played quite well, but then there was that, that freak own goal from Melier um, that meant we lost 1-0. Um, then we had a comfortable Southampton win, but then we had a disappointing loss to Villa who sort of sat back and uh, got a goal and then and then were able to just sort of hold us off with a low block. Um, so, yeah, in terms of February, Joe Hill, what, what, what do you make of February looking back over it?
3: Actually, I thought I was quite happy with it. I know we had a few losses in there, Um, But as I mentioned earlier, beating Leicester and beating Crystal Palace, those two games felt really good and felt really good to watch. Um, And then we were probably a bit unlucky against Everton, like you say. Um, It was quite funny to have those two games against Wolves and Villa thrown in there, the two 1-0 losses, which just felt really unjust. Um, There was the free cone goal. Um, I know Traore, it it was a great shot and it was... Probably deserved to go in, um, but it hit the bar and came back off Melier and it just felt that that was a really frustrating game to watch. Um, but then I think when I look at the overall picture um, of February, I think actually that was that was a decent spell for us and I think we were finding our feet in this new defensive sort of structure. The Leicester game was the first or the first that I can remember um, where the man marking changed. Um, and I think it was Dallas that was sort of playing this hybrid left back um, role, and it was quite interesting to see that come come about and s- see. Okay, maybe else is looking at this second half of the season slightly differently. Um, so I think, so I think maybe that's how I would sum up February. It's, it was us finding our feet in this sort of new semi-defensive way of playing. Um, but overall, there were enough good results in there that I was quite happy with that month
1: the Leicester game was interesting because it was the first time we'd really turned over a team who were playing 3-4-3 in the way that really causes us problems Uh, and so it was nice to to see that one where where obviously Brendan Rodgers came out in the in I think it was a a, I think it was a 4-2-3-1 they they came out with uh didn't go well so they went into the 3-4-3 and we we did that thing where we pushed Dallas back pushed Alioski forward and used Jack Harrison as a second striker uh, against their back three and it worked really well and I think at that point I kind of felt really good because I was like there is a way of getting around those sorts of games where we have played against teams in the 3-4-3 three, three, who've pressed us quite high and wide and forced us into wide areas and then sort of sprung pressing traps on us turned the ball over and uh, I felt I felt pretty good about that but actually looking back on February it, it it's it's interesting because it feels almost as though this was a month where we actually played pretty well Most of the time, I think with the absence, if you take out the the Arsenal result, which I think we were fairly beaten, the rest of the games we had a good chance of winning. And I think if you contrast that to the the run at the end of the season where it felt like we just won everything, this is maybe a comparative um, run of games where actually... We just came down to variance at the end of the day, and we were probably playing well enough to, you know, win most of the games, and and we didn't. And then in the at the end of the season, it, it went the other way, where you know we could have lost some games, but we didn't. Um, and and so I, in that respect, I think it sort of balances balances out a bit. Um, we should probably talk about the the Arsenal game because I think that is probably the standout game of this uh, of this month because that that does feel like a game where we were just completely deconstructed. So Tom Woodhead, what what were your thoughts on the on the Arsenal game?
0: I remember it being very disappointing um, in the context of the previous Arsenal game that we played, where mm. I think we outplayed them, really, even though we'd even though it was a draw. Uh, I think we were by far the better team, but it seemed like Arteta had learned his lessons from that game and uh, had studied the ways that, that he could maybe stop us from playing. I mean, I'm trying to remember how the flow of the game actually went uh, in terms of when they scored and things like that, but um, it was unexpected I think I, th- I think this was one where I was expecting us to, uh, to to put up a pretty good showing especially coming immediately after that Crystal Palace game which as you said was definitely one of our best performances of the season so um, it was I get. I guess some of the things that maybe we feared from the first Arsenal game um, came to pass uh, in that you know Aubameyang got a hat-trick actually didn't oh. he um, and their big players turned up which they hadn't really been doing much all season um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 one of the things in general from February that, I, that I've that i noticed look, just looking now is that uh, we had a few of these 1-0s and obviously the 4-2 as well that we lost, but this coincided with a period where Rodrigo was out through injury and, injury and I think in those games where a team goes ahead, he would have been a really useful player to bring on to try and unpack some of those deep line defences. Um, it was quite unfortunate that we didn't have him available for that period.
1: In terms of the, the goal spread, actually, it's interesting because Arsenal scored, scored fairly early on, but then they had a flurry of goals, I think three goals in six minutes around the halfway <clears throat> mark. So yeah. you had a goal in the 41st minute and then a goal straight after second half, I think. Well, it's 45 minutes, so I don't know if it was at the end of the first half or the beginning of the second. I think it was, was it the beginning of the second? I can't remember. Uh, and then you've got the Aubameyang-headed goal, 47 uh, minutes as well so it, it it was a really sort of they they smashed us in a in a very short period of time and then we did come back into that game i think we we did um we we obviously got a couple of later goals and and I think we
0: solided up a bit but and, and Costa played well i think in that second half when he came on
1: well i think we we realized that we were getting pressed to oblivion and so we 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 just came out a little bit more transitionally and and I think once you do that it it helps obviously Arsenal had sat back a little bit and relaxed because. They were 4-0 up at the time. But um, yeah, I, I do think that, that was it was quite a chastening experience. And like you say, especially because at Arsenal, we felt in the home fixture, we probably deserved the win in that game. Um So yeah, that, I think that's a an interesting game. And I think that was the first, the first sense we really had of like, if a team can come out here and press us quite well from the front, um, then they can get results against us. And we did see other teams trying to do that, but I think as the season went on, you could, you could see that teams were getting more and more tired in terms of their pressing um, because we had obviously the Southampton game that season as well, where they press us fairly well for the first half, but then didn't have enough in, in the second half as well.
0: We also had a, Jamie Shackleton at right back in that game, and it, I think he was quite disappointing in that game mm. with Ailing at centre back. And normally Ailing would be one of the ones who can help break that press. Mm. And uh, it, he was sort of trying to do the same thing from the centre back position, but didn't seem to have the confidence to uh, to pass to Shackleton and and let him do it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a bit of a yeah, it was a chastening game, as you say.
1: And it was I think that was another game where you know the worst aspects of Alyoski really came to the fore, um, and Arsenal really exploited that by, by doing the sort of bait and press thing where they, they left Alioski as the only free option to play out from. And so the the ball was being dinked in by Melier into Alioski, and he didn't have the ability to take it down and and, and evade the press. So, yeah, I think that I, I was surprised actually that we didn't see more of that happening through the season because it just seemed like such a clear blueprint for causing problems against Leeds. But then I suppose from this point onwards, we did just become very, very transitional. We didn't even bother trying to build up from the back at all um, in in a lot of the games. Um, And I suppose that's why it's so interesting moving between that Palace game where it felt like we were playing last season football to the Arsenal game, where it was proven that we we just couldn't get away with doing that against the top level sides. And from then on in, I think we did become a lot more of a transitional side, who were just going to be like, we're not going to try and build it up through through the um, through the midfield necessarily. Um, we will have the ability if teams come out and press us to just find those channels and and feed the ball into those channels and and get our uh, players like Rafinha and Harrison, who can stretch play in and do that. And I guess that's where the Brighton game comes in um, because, you know, Brighton are set up in such a good way that they can stop us from doing both of those things. They can press us high if they need to, but they can also um, overload us in wide areas. So you don't have that ability to evade the press as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials
0: to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash
1: ACAST. Let's move on to to March. Who wants to... To give us a summary of what happens in March, so we we have obviously a loss to West Ham. West Ham one of the few teams, I think, was it West Ham and Brighton? Were they the only two teams who beat us in both games? Um, and Wolves, yeah. Um, so we had a, another game against West Ham. Chelsea with early two-call, so we got a 0-0 draw against them. Uh, and then we got the 2-1 win against Fulham. Who wants to give us a summary of, of this? Let's go with you, Tom Alderson. What do you make of these three games together?
2: I think f- from... Memory, I think I was a little... Like, the West Ham game, I kind of expected. I, I didn't have um, any sort of... I, I didn't think we were going to get anything from that game. And I think even though... I think it was a, like a Lingard penalty, wasn't it? No, it, it was a penalty he missed. And then a rebound. And I, I can't remember the second goal. But, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I wasn't expecting anything from that. I don't think that loss was a shock. Um, and then the Chelsea game was the first... Even though, sort of like... If you include Leicester, maybe. But, like, the Chelsea game was sort of the first... Um, impression we got of how we're going to perform against these big uh, top six teams over the next month because I think we were again I think we were going into that game expecting a thrashing and I I can't remember if because we I'm pretty do we have a disallowed goal I think from memory but I think we um I think a draw was fair from from memory I think they did have a lot of chances but again it was that new style of approach where they didn't sort of create big chances and they hadn't really got their attacking play together yet because Tuchel had only been in for I think a couple of weeks whereas they were they were very solid defensively from from memory Um, and then the the Fulham game um, I think I think we did deserve to win that but the thing with that is I don't think we were as even though it was 4-2 or 4-3 the first Fulham game I don't think we looked as good in that second Fulham game.
1: Yeah, I think the, the Fulham game in particular is interesting because I think they, again, they're a team who caused us a lot of problems by pressing high in the first half. Um, and I think that was a game which came down to the fact that we had Rafinha, who just basically generated a goal out of not a lot when, when obviously Bamford played the ball into him and he had a lot of work to do and and, and, and got that goal. And I, th- I feel as though had we not had him, that could easily have ended in a, in a 1-1 draw. Um, and I think the underlying numbers for that one were quite... Um, flattering to us i think we didn't we didn't create a huge amount but it, it was very much just having having um uh, rafinha that did the, the trick but this th- does anyone else think that this is the sort of month where we it seems as though everything that this is the point at which things we start that good run uh it feels to me so after that chelsea result yeah um we then we then pretty much we only lose one ga- goal game after that to brighton so this is definitely the the point at which things maybe turn around Does think does anyone, does anyone think there's anything in that at all
0: I think the Chelsea game was a big thing psychologically for the players because they got hammered so many times by the big teams that to get any kind of result against them, um, it sh- well, I mean, psychologically, both both in terms of giving them confidence, but also possibly putting that thing in the players' minds that the way to get a result against these teams is to be solid a bit more and don't concede a goal.
1: Yeah, for sure. I felt as though we played Chelsea at quite a good time. It was sort of soon after Tuchel had come in and the the... Tuckle obviously his game plan was to when he when he arrived at Chelsea was to sort out the defence and then hope that you sort of Muddle through because you've got a, a wealth of attacking players, and I felt as though we we maybe benefited a little bit from from that because I don't think they I don't remember that game being particularly difficult at all. It didn't feel like they put us under any pressure. I don't think we looked like we were going to score many, but we also didn't look like we were going to concede any either.
2: I've got the X, xg from that game. We had 0.4 and they had 1.4, so it was really not a lot happened. Uh, we we didn't create much, but we didn't really concede that many chances against a big six team.
0: I think it's true that we played Chelsea at a good time, but equally, I think we played West West Ham at a bad time. Both times we played them, you know, we were talking about how um, that was one of the teams that beat us twice. But the second uh, West Ham game we played, that was basically just at the tail end of their sort of imperial phase this season. They'd won seven out of the last 10 games. And the first time we played them as well, which I know we're talking about the second half of the season, they just won uh, three of the last four as well. So I think we played them at a bad time. Uh, So, you know, these things... It works both ways, I guess.
1: Right. April obviously follows March. Um, We had four games in April. And um, we'd made a big thing at the beginning of the season about April being the cruelest month. But in the end, we end up getting eight points from a possible 12, which is uh, more than I think any of us believed was possible. Uh, started off with a with a 2-1 win over Sheffield United, a game that I have very little memory of. Um, then, obviously, the the great result against Manchester City. Liverpool 1-1 and Manchester United 0-0. Um, I think we... The, the, obviously, this was a, a great month. But I do, again maybe being miserable, but I do feel as though we benefited from playing City, Liverpool and Manchester United at a point where they all had fairly important European fixtures. So in the City game, obviously, they they rested quite a few players and played a fairly experimental team. Uh, Liverpool had just come back from playing against Real Madrid, I think, twice in in about five days or something crazy. Um, so so they had that as well. And, and obviously, Manchester United uh, were well into their glorious run which concluded with them not winning the the European Cup which was one of the high points of my season if I'm honest. Uh, But yeah Joe Hill we haven't heard from you for a little while so what's your take on on April? Great, really good month for us.
3: Yeah absolutely when you look at the results um, it's fantastic and when you do include the the previous two games from March the Chelsea and the Fulham game um, that run looks amazing and I remember thinking at the time looking at these games thinking how many points are we going to get because we didn't really know that we could get results against the the top six um, at that stage of the season. We'd only beaten Leicester. Um, and, well, they're not historically the top six. Maybe they are now, but that's sort of a different discussion. Um, so it was really nice to pick up some points against them. And like you say, I, th- I think probably we, we did benefit a lot from the timing of those games. I think Man City, Liverpool and Man United... They weren't going fully gung-ho. They were all just, their minds were on the European Cups. So to a certain degree, you know, maybe we were fortunate for the timings for that one. But then beating Man City 2-1 was one of the highlights of my season. It was fantastic. Dallas scoring a brace, one of them in in added time. It was just fantastic. And it was also at a time when our safety was basically guaranteed um, in the Premier League. And I think I really started to enjoy... Um, watching Leeds at at that point. I I had all season and I really enjoyed our madness games at the start of the season, but um, it was just a really fun time to be watching Leeds, even if we were slightly more defensive. um, Just to be picking up those points, there was a lot to to cling on to as a Leeds fan. So yeah, April was probably, I think maybe May was a, a bit better, but April was up there with the best months for me of the season.
1: What do we think about the big six quote-unquote next season how do we feel that those games are going to go Tom Woodhead because I think I don't know it's it, it's it's almost like I almost feel as though maybe this is the gambler's fallacy or something you know that the, the way that Harry Kane doesn't take shots or when he miss, when he misses a shot he thinks he's more likely to score the next one or something like that and uh, Gary Lineker didn't used to take shots in training because he didn't want to waste up his goals scored and stuff like that um I feel a little bit that way with these games now, in that we've got an expectation that if you can get a win against City and then draw against Liverpool and Manchester United, the the expectation is that against the big six we should really be drawing, and if not, scraping a win. Um, but how do you feel about next season with the big six? Do you think that there's anything indicative there, or do you think it's just it's just a case of you know whatever happens happens?
0: Well, I'm quite interested to see how the, those teams approach the games, approach it um, against us, because obviously. The first half of the season we were just playing gung-ho against those teams and we mostly got torn apart then the second half i think to a certain extent um that the managers of those teams especially solshire failed to react to the changes that we'd made in the interim uh and solshire you could tell immediately when you saw the 11 that he picked against us with dan james in it um who hadn't been starting a huge amount of games that he you know he, he and, and greenwood up front as well he picked a team that was good, supposed to carve us open on the break, just like they did in the 6-2. Um, so I'm interested to see both how we're going to be approaching these games in general, but also whether they will adjust their tactics again, our opponents, um, uh, in light of how you know how we played in those games. You know, we were much more defensive. Are they then going to assume that we're going to be defensive again? Or will they think, oh, no, you know, they're going to be asking the same questions that we're asking, basically. Are these... Are Leeds going to change or are they going to carry on playing like they played in the second half of last season?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, wasn't it? Because because Solskjaer definitely played the same sort of team that he played in the first game and he went for really quite um, dynamic players who are going to be good ball carriers. Um, in, in that game, in the second half of the season, he didn't start Pogba and he didn't start Cavani, um, both of whom I think were really important for their end of season run, especially uh, in the Euro- Europa League as well. So um, I think Had he started with a player like Pogba and and, and a striker like Cavani, maybe Leeds would have struggled a little bit more. Um, But yeah, I, I think that's really true. I think that's the thing that I'm most interested in next season is how long it takes teams to sort of get around what it is that Leeds were doing in the second half and start having a plan. And you know what will be happening right now is that analysts at clubs in the Premier League will be looking back over the tapes of all of the the teams that played and, and attempting to find weaknesses and stuff, and so it will be fascinating seeing um, the way that that leads um, cope with the way that opponents will will approach them next season. But Tom Alderson, we haven't heard from you. What what are your takes from from this month?
2: I, d- I don't think Solskjaer does analysis, so he'll just play this. He'll play Dan James <laughs> in the next game. <laughs>
1: um,
2: we'll have signed him by then. We'll oh for God's sake. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I just I remember the United game being really boring because. Um, I have a lot of mates that are United fans and we got we all got together to watch it and I don't remember any of it. I don't think anything exciting happened in that game. Um I think what, what on the sort of Pogba and Cavani point Pogba came on didn't he and I think he just absolutely teared us up for about 10 15 minutes and that was it was pretty nervous towards the end. Um, and then the Liverpool stuff was all around the Super League time, wasn't it? And I'm wondering maybe that had some sort of impact. Maybe on, they'd probably well they'd obviously been very distracted leading up to that game.
1: It was the first game after the Super League stuff, wasn't it? Was it
2: the was the earn t-shirts, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the, yeah. It's the power
0: of the t-shirts did it. Yeah, <laughs> those
2: horrible Rajazani t-shirts that he loves to get out. Uh, but yeah, I've got to agree with Joe. The the City game was unbelievable, and the probably yeah probably my favourite game of the season um, because. It was—I don't know—it just one of those that I don't think I didn't think Leeds had it in them to do that sort of sort of um, just sort of—I don't know—get away with that sort of lucky win. Because we've, I don't think we've seen it at all under Bielsa. So, um, and then just to get it at a team like City, even if they were resting players, was just was just great.
1: Yeah, it's glorious for, for them to get ex-G'd in a way that we did <laughs> the season before so many times. Right, uh, it's just quite nice for the boot to be on the other foot.
0: It's easy to forget as well that we did go down to ten men. I th- like I occasionally forget that that was part of it. Um, yeah. It's even more incredible in that, and and the fact that we only had two shots and all that stuff. <laughs> and that you know that game as well was the first one that I watched with another Leeds fan for a long time like we sort of bent well broke lockdown rules to kind of watch it together with a mate and it was just glorious to have that moment at the end of you know diving into someone's arms on a sofa
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's just so funny that there's been so many times where we've been on the opposite side of that kind of frustration yeah and so you you sort of get an an enhanced experience don't you because you know exactly how it feels the other way around
0: we absolutely wiggled them <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, we, we did absolutely wick them we could talk about April forever I think but we should we should move on to, to May and May May is an interesting month because I think once you get those horrible results out of the way you're kind of thinking right there's no game really here we should be losing and then we went st- walked straight into a into a Brighton result where they did exactly the same thing they did in the game before and we had no answers to that and we did didn't look like um, scoring uh, at all in that game, so um, came out of that into the Spurs game, which was actually a game that I was a little bit nervous about, um, which in hindsight just looks really stupid. Um, but then, yeah, just rode rode that final wave back into to the end of the season, had a, a couple of nice results. The, the Burnley result, um, obviously very comfortable. Southampton gave us a little bit of a problem, but again we sort of eased past them uh, and then obviously West Brom on, on the last day uh, a game that again i have very in fact i didn't even watch this game live i listened to it on the radio because i was driving back from london so i have very little memory of that game as well but um yeah let's start with you joe hill what do you make of what did you make of the the final five games of the season
3: yeah i mean really really good um four wins out of five for the last uh, for the last five games out of the season is a fantastic um set of results and to get the four wins back to back, I think that was that was borderline a, a record or some kind of record, or we hadn't done that in a long time. Um, I'm sort of just forgetting the Brighton game, I think, because like, when we look at that run of the last ten or eleven games, only losing one, I'm just sort of almost pretending that it didn't happen because our sort of trajectory from mid March to the end of the season, if you just in terms of the results. Um, was fantastic and I just like to pretend that that Brighton one didn't happen but maybe there is um, a lot of luck at play um, with these results like we sort of said earlier the the XG was still the same if anything the expected goals against was increasing or had increased uh, compared to the start of the season so maybe there were some games where it was a little bit lucky Maybe it's the fact that the other teams just tailed off as well. I'm looking at the Burnley game, the Southampton game. Um, I think they were safe from relegation at that point. So maybe it's just a case of the players just tailing off and Leeds just getting a few easy wins together. Um, But still, it made for fantastic watching and it really made me enjoy the the last half of the season. And obviously it, it concluded with us Finishing in the top ten, which was just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we're like just perfectly made to play teams that are on the beach, as they say, um, because because we won't do that. Bielsa won't let the players do that. So if if you're not going to put in, you know, the the effort required, which I don't think really any of those last few teams—Spurs, Burnley, Southampton, or West Brom—were particularly asked by the time we played them, and it's just. It's suicide when you're playing against Leeds because we're still going to run just as much as ever. So um, I guess that would be another thing to think about when we're thinking about the end of next season would be, you know, uh, Man City, they'll probably have something to play for. Arsenal, chances are that, well, they they might be going for Europe. Uh, Brighton might be trying to stay up Brentford might be trying to stay up. So it might be a bit of a different thing. But if, if it gets to the point where any of those teams don't have anything that they're going to play for, I, I think I'd back us to beat most teams, to be honest.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we have always looked quite strong at the end of the season, even like the end of last season when we got promoted a few games early. Um, we still came out quite strongly in those in those games. And I think that's maybe one one area where having a small squad comes into it because then you were playing peripheral squad squad players who are really... Trying to work to get into into the manager's good books, and and we've we've seen a few um, games where obviously the the last couple of games of the season we were playing interesting lineups, and you still didn't feel as though there was much diminution from having a a, a much uh, changed squad squad rotation. So I, I agree with you, you totally there. Do we read anything into the end of the season? Is it is it was it was it simply as as Tom Woodhead said um, Tom Alderson that it was just a case of you know playing teams who were largely safe or already relegated.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not personally going to take too much into it. I think pro- probably the only game, unfortunately, we can take something from is the Brighton one because that was two teams actually playing for a result, and it's something that we do need to figure out next season. I, I did think the the Spurs game at the time I did think that was actually one of our best results of the season then I watched it back and realized that Spurs just couldn't defend so I that one um again I, I don't think we'll go, we're we'll going to the Spurs match next year expecting the same thing to happen um I can't remember when that is um and then also then the the West Brom game was basically a testimonial wasn't it to Pablo Hernandez okay. um and Berardi. so um and we don't have to play West Brom next year so I I, I think I don't think it'll have any effect on so our sort of thoughts next year and I don't think the, st- the style of play was a bit different as well just because of the nature of the matches and who was playing sometimes
0: I guess the only thing that I would take from it in the long term was that Bielsa clearly wanted to give Rodrigo an opportunity to play up front um, and I think that's something that we maybe thought that he'd given up on or decided not to do so it'll be interesting to see whether Rodrigo gets any game time up front next season
1: does anyone have any thoughts on we've made a big thing about this season being a little bit unusual insofar as obviously there's the COVID stuff so you've got no one in, no fans in, in games but you've also had a, a really short um, pre-season. We didn't have, really have any pre-season to speak of um, and obviously there's been, a, a, I guess, a fairly busy summer but we, we will have, I suppose, a, a team that are a lot more relaxed, a lot more settled, a lot more rested before we go into that but that will, I think, suit... Oppositions maybe more than us because I think we we showed that that the high intensity approach that we have all the time actually suited us quite well last season. Um, how do we think that's going to change next season? Is it is do we think the next season could be a little bit more tricky than we think simply because teams will be um, one? I, I think up for it a little bit more in terms of the physicality of it but also teams will have had more of a chance to actually develop their tactical systems there'll be a few teams that have better managers um so obviously spurs having Mourinho um probably probably suits us insofar as obviously Ryan Mason we've mentioned Ryan Mason didn't really do much with them in that in that second game it feels as though there will be a lot of strong managers so you've got um obviously Tuchel now well instated at Chelsea so um, it it feels as though to a certain extent there's going to be a strong top six potentially next season Um, how do we feel about that Joe Hill do we think that it's going to be a different Premier League next season to the one that we have this season
3: yeah I think it will it's going to be different like you say just having fans in is going to change it so much Um, I mentioned earlier about the home advantage thing which I think is really going to come into play next season Um, it's yeah it's hard to it's hard to make a call really about this the intensity of the games and and where that's going to be at because there will be the world um not the World Cup the euros um, that, are, that would have just happened and like Tom said earlier certain teams are going to have a few players getting rested towards the start of the coming season um, if they go far in the euros so it's quite difficult to make a call with the the intensity i I think that Leeds' goal it still still has to be the same for me. It still has to be just staying up, um, whether that's 17th, 16th, 15th, whatever. I think that it's quite easy to look at this season and think that we have to do better than that um, next year. But I think realistically, to have two solid seasons in the Premier League um, will be a fantastic foundation to build on. So for me, I'm I'm more thinking if we can get 15th or something I know it'll be w- worse than our first year but it will still be a foundation and hopefully we can build on that further for the coming years
0: I think the thing I'm quite interested in is to see if Bielsa uh, makes any small but significant tactical tweaks in the preseason, because obviously we didn't really have one last season so we were essentially playing the same way at the start of last season as we were as we ended the season before but uh, for Bielsa's second season, I think we did make some interesting tweaks such as when the uh back when the uh, center back split um it previously Phillips had been going into the middle but Phillips went on to the left in that second season I think that helped cover uh some of the some of the situations where we were previously being broke on um and things like that and we did a bit more inverting of the fullbacks in that second season uh in new and interesting ways so i I'm, I'm intrigued to see if there are any little things like that that he'll now have time to work on in pre-season and particularly involving new players or even players who came in last season like Rafinha.
2: I think actually when the game sort of returned to a normal sort of schedule, that'll favour us more. I think this year, even though our fitness did show, I think when there's a more sort of normal schedule, it will actually um, show more the difference between our fitness levels um, and like intensity levels compared to normal teams. I think that will actually favour us. Um, rather than even though it did show it this year, I think it could show itself more next year.
1: Well, I think we're all very much fired up for for next season. I know we've still got the Euros going on, but I think with the fixture the, the fixtures for next season coming out, I'm getting already excited about football season next season. By way of ending this podcast, we should say there is a authors list going up today. Um, so, if you are a Patreon subscriber, there is uh, a double header actually. And uh, we looked at, Josh and I looked at Maxwell Cornet and we looked at Javi Galan, um, the Huesca player. So, both, both left backs who've been linked to Leeds recently. Uh, so, you've got 30 minutes of, of discussion as to how they would, where they come from, what they're like, uh, how they would fit in at Leeds. So, if you're a Patreon subscriber, then uh, make sure you catch that. If you're not a Patreon subscriber and that sounds interesting to you, head over to www.patreon.co dot um, com forward slash all on and you can sign up for for those bonus um, episodes over there uh, but i think that brings us to the end of the episode and so all there is for me to do is to say thank you tom thank you and thank you tom thank you very much and thank you joe hill cheers and we'll see you all very soon